The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Questions swirled in my mind. What was I going to say to Daddy? What was I going to say to Mother? What was I going to say to my children? I'd been such a failure. Next, Ruth Graham talks about this tender moment during the funeral for her father, Reverend Billy Graham. Well, then I had asked God if I could tell another story, yeah. any other story. Let's go for it. <laughs> but uh, it was clear as a bell. Ruth, I gave you your story for my glory. Today, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Betty, and this is James, and we have one of our dear, dear friends with us. Today. Yeah, this is real family. This is a, this is a sister. This is Billy Graham's daughter Ruth, named after her mom, Ruth. This is a, a legacy of faith book, and that's a Ruth there with Daddy. <laughs> and uh, we really love the Graham family, and we thank God for him and the way the Lord was honored during this whole time of expressing thanks for the witness in life. Uh, the impact of the gospel proclaimed and demonstrated in life by Billy Graham. Would you welcome Ruth Graham to life today? <laughs> you, know, you know, we've been family in the truest sense of the word. We've, we've co-labored. Your, your dad actually encouraged you and your husband to come help us. I've, I've always been wondering, you know, he started helping me when I was 19. Why do you think he, why do you want to help me? Because he knew your heart. He knew you loved evangelism and you loved people and you have such a tender heart and compassionate heart. And uh, you, you reflect daddy's heart. Mm -hmm. So I, that's why he think he saw somebody like himself and had the same vision and goals. Well, it's been such a blessing to walk with you. Now, uh, I, w I want us to, to talk about that, that time we said goodbye. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we tracked with you all the way through. Mm -hmm. And I was communicating with you some while I, I knew what y'all were, were bearing. But uh, at the funeral, the Lord is really on. He was really honored at the rotunda. Mm -hmm. Were you amazed when you stood there in oh, that my. incredible rotunda? Oh my. It was just, it was really something I almost can't describe because you saw all the magnificent of, magnificence of that building, but then you saw all these leaders. I mean, these were powerful people. And my father's simple plywood casket lined <laughs> with a mattress pad <laughs> sitting in the middle with just a, a simple cross on top. And it was so eloquent and so beautiful. And it said volumes. Mm. You know, built by a prisoner who had mm -hmm. experienced grace. That's right. It's just, a, you know, it's really a precious time. And all the family just did in, incredible. It was so beautiful to hear your mother's uh, written mm. uh, request for the kind of man she wanted to meet. <laughs> right. Wasn't that beautiful? Oh, yeah, I'm, I wish I wish we had all of it because I think <laughs> you, she got part, read a part of it. But my goodness, and you know, your dad, he just he, he just talked about your mom so much. <laughs> I mean, he, he thought compared to her, he wasn't much of a Christian, you know. <laughs> But anyway, but you know they both loved the Lord they so much. And they adored each other. They really did. And they really did. Now, you spoke at the funeral. Mm -hmm. I, I, want us to, I want us to go there for a moment because uh, we knew you. You shared here so much of your story. We didn't know what you were going to do there. Mm -hmm. We were so pleased because the grace of God was magnified mm -hmm. and God was glorified. Let, let's watch that. Many of you saw it. Many of you saw it. 
want to thank each one of you for being here today, from those in the very back here in the tent to the very front row. We are blessed and honored that you are here. Thank you. And I have learned this week, as never before, that everybody has a Billy Graham story. And even this week, President Trump told us about his Billy Graham story. As a little boy, his father took him to Yankee Stadium to hear my father preach. And he said, this is a big deal. <laughs> little did they know that their paths would cross many, many years later. But I have my own Billy Graham story. So I'm going to tell you that one. And I've told it many times, and some of you have maybe heard it many times. But it bears repeating because, to me, it speaks to the essence of who my father was and is. After 21 years, my marriage ended in divorce. I was devastated. I floundered. I did a lot wrong. The rug was pulled out from under me. My family thought it'd be a good idea for me to move away to get a fresh start somewhere else. So I decided to live near my older sister and her family and near a good church. The pastor of that church introduced me to a handsome widower, and we began to date fast and furiously. My children didn't like him, but I thought, you know, they were almost grown. They didn't know what they could, they couldn't tell me what to do. I knew what was best for my life. My mother called me from Seattle. My father called me from Tokyo. They said, honey, why don't you slow down? Let us wait to get to know this man. They had never been a single parent. They had never been divorced. What did they know? So being stubborn, willful, and sinful, I married a man, this man, on New Year's Eve. And within 24 hours, I knew I'd made a terrible mistake. After five weeks, I fled. I was afraid of him. What was I going to do? I wanted to go talk to my mother and my father. It was a two-day drive. Questions swirled in my mind. What was I going to say to Daddy? What was I going to say to Mother? What was I going to say to my children? I'd been such a failure. What were they going to say to me? You, we, we're tired of fooling with you. We told you not to do it. You've embarrassed us. And let me tell you, you women will understand you don't want to embarrass your father. You really don't want to embarrass Billy Graham. <laughs> and many of you know that we live on the side of a mountain. And as I wound myself up the mountain, I rounded the last bend in my father's driveway, and my father was standing there waiting for me. As I got out of the car, he wrapped his arms around me and he said, welcome home. There was no shame, there was no blame, there was no condemnation, just unconditional love. And you know, my father was not God, but he showed me what God was like that day. When we come to God with our sin, our brokenness, our failure, our pain and our hurt, God says, welcome home. And that invitation is open for you. Thank you, and God bless you. You know, Betty was bad. And you want you me to talk after that? Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> me we'll neither. We'll give you just a breather. She was at home because she had a, a knee situation challenge. Can I give you some back challenges? And we understand that.
So she's watching at home. And of course, gosh, we're blessed to be close and be friends and family. She said, James, it was just unbelievable to watch how the whole medium on all different networks, I just looked around. They were captured not by Ruth, and you are a beautifully gifted communicator. <clears throat> I think as gifted as anyone in your family, including dad. And I really do believe that. But it wasn't, that wasn't it. Your story, yes. But more than anything, it was his glory and grace mm -hmm. that your dad revealed so clear to you. Mm -hmm. There was no shame, no blame. He took it all. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, Ruth, and you know me well enough to know I've missed the mark, I've failed. Uh, you know, and, and I, sometimes it's been foolishness, sometimes it's been almost like, like self-centered rebellion. Mm -hmm. But he always mm -hmm. reaches out and welcome home. Mm -hmm. You saw God okay. high and lifted up that day. You want everybody to know him like that. I really do, and, and it changed my life. And that has informed the rest of my life. And it informs what I do today, you know, as I want to reach out to others with the grace and love of God, that unconditional love and grace that, that was so generously bestowed on me. I didn't deserve it, but God gave it to me anyway. Well, I, I thought what was so beautiful too, your testimony likely was the testimony of a lot of mm -hmm. people that heard your testimony. And you offered them hope that only Jesus can give That's them. Right. And as I wept and as I watched, I thought, thank you, Jesus. They, you pointed them to him. And I just thought it was so beautiful because I did watch, I watched it on, the, on television and the news people, they were almost, they almost didn't know what to say, you know, because it was so evident that God's power was there that day and God was honored. Well, then I had asked God if I could tell another story, yeah. any other story. Let's go for it. <laughs> but uh, it was clear as a bell. Ruth, I gave you your story for my glory. What you've been through, you've tasted brokenness. Mm -hmm. So when you look out and see people who are broken, I just felt even in your expressions and even that day, you were showing people God's love through dad mm -hmm. when you so desperately needed it. But you wanted everybody to hear it. You wanted everybody with a broken heart, everybody that felt ashamed, everybody that, that hurt, you wanted them to know there's a there's a father wanting to do just what your dad did, and that's hold you very close. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you have you you see that. You want I that. And I, I do want that. And I, I think it's so important for people to know because they feel that they're alone. And uh, if when we are going through difficult times, we think we're the only one that's going through that. And we're not. There are a host of other people. And um, in our society, we think that broken means useless, throwaway, uh, replaced, but not in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, it qualifies you. You know, Peter, God couldn't have used Peter before the, he broke down. He really had to break uh, Peter, and then Peter was usable. You know, and what, within 30 days, he was preaching, you know, so that Peter was, had dramatic change. Mm -hmm. um, so I, God loves broken people, because he can use them, and when they know they're broken, they're even better. You know, some people are broken, and they have that stiff upper lip, and they won't let God in, but you got to let God in and let him mold you again. Now, think about this. If Ruth Graham and James Robinson and Betty would look at you and think, I wish I could heal it. Think how much the one who is totally able to heal it wants to put his arms around you. Dad put his arms around you. But something so much bigger happened because in that you were pulled back in 
to the shelter and shadow of the Almighty. Amen. And you knew it, didn't you? I did. And that's why you wanted in every pew where there's a broken heart to know this father, mm -hmm. this shepherd mm -hmm. that holds the lamb that goes for the one when he's got 99. a whole <laughs> fold with 99. He's out there. Mm -hmm. You want him to get in his arms, right? Absolutely. And because there's no better comfort, there's no better healing place, there's no better love. It's just pure. And, um, and to know that is really healing, mm -hmm. remarkable. And yet, James, you know, when we go around, whether it's a church or neighborhood or whatever, and we say, how are you? People say, I'm fine. And um, I know I did that one day in church. I went in and sat in front of a friend, and I, she said, well, Ruth, how are you? And I said, oh, I'm fine. And the service began, and I thought, you know, I just lied to her. I'm not fine. <laughs> and I began to think about it. And so after church was over, I went to her, and I said, Helene, I'm not fine. I'm really struggling with something. She said, I am so glad you said that. She said, because I'm struggling too. She said, would you pray with me? See, that's where ministry takes place. When we're willing to be let down the mask, then that's when people feel comfortable with us. When we're vulnerable, then they feel free to be vulnerable. So I think it's, that's where ministry takes place. We cannot take, be ministered to mask to mask. You know, Betty and I are both 74. She says, you don't have to always tell everybody that I'm a month, I'm a month younger than you. And you always, you know, you had your 74th birthday. She'll have one in a month. She says, why do you always do that? But here's the deal. If we live to be 100, we got 75% of the life we've lived behind us. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find yourself, and you're not as old as us, you're like a little sister to us. <laughs> you're a few years back. Not, yeah, not that many years. A few years back. Okay, here, here's the deal. I say, Lord, I want to I walk out these last years the most effective way possible. You find yourself asking mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. What do you feel in your heart that you, you feel the Lord, let's say, just raising up inside of you that you would just like that stream or that river to flow? What, what, do, you, what do you want? I, my heart is still with the broken. I still want to reach those who have suffered by their own hand or by the hand of someone else mm -hmm. or by life itself. You know, they're, they're broken by something. My heart goes to them. I really, I think our churches are doing better. I think some of our younger pastors are doing much better. But, um, you know, in our, our traditional churches, you just didn't talk about certain things. And you didn't talk about if your child were incarcerated or if your child were uh, addicted to pornography or if your husband was abusive. You just don't talk about and those things. And if you've been divorced, you've got oh, to talk about Oh, yes. absolutely. And, and I now was. 50% <laughs> of the population basically has. Yeah. And then you stop and think how many tens of thousands of children out that's, of those marriages right, right. are being impacted. Divorce impacts the kids mm -hmm. every bit as hard, if not tougher, absolutely. than the two that get and it divorced. it goes on forever. Yeah. It goes on forever. So you really feel like God's going to allow you to put his arms around people like this. Well, we so. want to join with you to Thank do that. You. You, you have joined with us from the time dad asked you to come down <laughs> and you and your husband worked with James and Betty. <clears throat> and so you end up living here in the wonderful state of Texas. I know it's tough to leave the promised land, <laughs> go back up to the Carolinas. But, but you know, there's a lot of beauty. We love you, Caroline. You're great. <clears throat> but anyway, the, the deal is <clears throat> that, that really right now, we, we are really seeking to keep binding up the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. And you joined us with that on the mission field, Ruth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You went and saw the need. Okay, let just people say, okay, Ruth, is the need really legitimate? Is it really desperate like they tell us on Life Today it is? Is it that desperate? Absolutely, absolutely. You have to see it. Um, there's no poverty quite like it. It is just, I mean, when you see them coming to get drinking water in, out of a little puddle that's got 
cow dung and it's unbelievable. mosquitoes and who knows what else in it. Um, you just think, these people live this way. They have to walk miles to get that kind of water. And then the malnourishment. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, here's what people ask. Okay, the missionaries are there really with love, right? Mm -hmm. You believe it's really the love of God? I do. Mm -hmm. All right, now when they actually, with the people's help, feed them something that we're told is nutritionally balanced for their particular area of need, do they come and get it? And have you been able to see that it works? Absolutely. That, that's so cute to see the kids all lined up, you know, and they, they try to be so patient, but they're, you know, they're just really wanting some food. And to know that that food does make a difference. Yeah. And that, that may be the only meal they get that day. But they, they, they long for it and they want it and it will make a difference in their lives. You know, their little bodies are being knit together and they don't have the nourishment they need. And it's so sad. And you see these little, especially little Africans with sort of blonde hair. And it's really not... That's malnutrition. It's malnutrition, yes. yes. And they're just all over the place. And your heart aches. And you know Jesus' heart aches. Mm -hmm. And he wants to use us. And you've seen what that love does. Yes, that I have. love never fails. Mm -hmm. Well, we right now, and I'm just telling you this, we have a chance, and, and you literally went, so to speak, to the ends of the earth, <laughs> to ask our viewers to put the arms of, of Jesus around the suffering. And I'm, I'm going to take you back with a glimpse, and our viewers and those of you here, to just see the son of the lead missionary, Peter Pretorius, Isaac Pretorius, to see him with a mother, now think about this, who has a little five-year-old that's in need, and you can see it, but Betty, that mother, has already buried two children. And just look at her, listen to me. Love is the only healing bomb factor ointment that can heal her heart. She wants that child by her to grow up by her. She want to bury another one. This is where love never fails. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you right now. You're going to listen to a missionary and a mother. And then I want you to ask God, how many mother's prayers can I be the answer to? How many children can I give a future to? And I hope. Because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to give us life now and forever. Would you share that life and love? They're going to be talking about Jesus and his love. The missionaries are. But you're going to demonstrate that love. They can see it in action. Watch prayerfully. A mother's love. There is no power like it on earth. In every village our team visited in Angola, they found mothers who worked tirelessly to keep their children from falling victim to the ravages of malnutrition even if it meant going without food for themselves. So these ladies that raise their hands, they sometimes go days without eating a meal at all. The sad reality is most of these mothers, like Armelinda, have had children die because of the lack of food. Isak Pretorius had a chance to visit with her and one of her surviving children. The eyes that you're seeing on your screen right now are the eyes of a five-year-old but they look into a soul that's seen more pain than most people see in a lifetime. A five-year-old who has watched her precious mother bury two of her siblings, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, buried in the last year simply because her mother just doesn't have enough food. This village doesn't 
have the resources it needs, it doesn't have the ability to produce the food that they need to produce. They, they were telling us how they just eat pumpkin leaves and they make charcoal and try and sell some of that charcoal to be able to, to you know, buy a little bit of food. But the, the food that they can buy, the food that they can provide for their families is not enough. It's not because this mother Armelinda is her name. It's not because she doesn't want to feed her children. It's not because she's lazy or she's not prepared to do what she needs to do. This mother will do absolutely anything to ensure that she doesn't lose another two children. This village tells the story of what happens when you don't have mission feeding. It's a story of children who die a silent death, life stolen because of famine, starvation. Please help me right now to change that. Let's change the fact that mothers are suffering, that children are dying in this village simply because they don't have mission feeding. Let's bring them mission feeding. Let's bring them life. Do you understand that when Isak Pretorius, Peter Pretorius, our lead mission overseer, basically the continent of Africa, and, and we've just gotten the update of 13 million children lives saved by mission feeding. So when he's talking about mission feeding, he's talking about locating areas. So who locates the areas? Missionaries filled with compassion, such compassion and love that they leave their comfort to go and be a comfort. And in compassion say we're going to rescue them and lift them out of, the, of this despair and hopelessness. But they can only do it. They can't do it just with compassion. They can't do it by just leaving and going there. They would be there with a broken heart and empty hands. Betty, the only way that mission feeding works is the missionaries find the need, they organize them, and they say love's about to show up because they're full of love. <clears throat> but like the missionaries said to me, James, if you'll just go back and ask people, tell them we don't really need them to come over here. We don't really have time to take care of them. But if they would just send the support so we're not empty-handed and we can feed them and see it change. And I just had 13 million lives saved and we've had more professions of faith in Christ in those same areas. Winning more to Christ even. You say, well, how is it you win them to the Lord? Because they've seen the power of the gospel and the love and the willingness to put your arms around the suffering. So Betty, we've been picking people up now for over 20 years and rescuing the parish and caring for the dying. When I say we, it's you. Because you're the ones. The missionaries are vitally important, but they're empty-handed. They're just broken-hearted. They weep while they die like the mothers. But we can change all that. You simply go online right now, or you dial that number that's always a prayer line, and now it's a lifeline. And you take your bike card, and you make the best gift you can possibly make. But keep this in mind. In mission feeding, because mission feeding works. It's effective. A gift of $30, $50, or $100, we're able to feed three, five, or 10 children for the next months. Did you hear what I said? $30, 50 $100. $1,000, and oh dear God, I pray. Those who can do that, it sounds so big, but some can do it. $1,000, we can feed 100 kids. We being the missionaries, and we who are willing to reach out in love and touch those precious people with the love of God, not in word only, but in deed, in demonstration. Would you right now go online? Go, go get your, your bank card. 
dial the number or go online. If you could give $1,000, $100, please do it. We've got four, listen to me, 400,000 in need right now, already located, basically organized in what we call mission feeding centers. Would you right now make the gift God puts on your heart? If you want to write a check, make it to life. But call the number, please, and tell us you're putting it in the mail. Because we need to know. We need to tell the missionaries it's coming. The help and support is coming. Because love you share. Thank you so much for doing it. We have some gifts to send you to bless you in your spiritual walk and growth. They'll be meaningful to you. In impoverished and drought-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face severe malnutrition, even death. With your support, Life's Mission Feeding Outreach can save lives by feeding and caring for children in the hardest-hit areas of Angola, Mozambique, and South Sudan. With previous reserves gone and Mission Feeding helping in areas with severe crop failure, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. And with your gift of any amount, we'll send you Proverbs Power, Successful Communication. This powerful CD series, along with study guide featuring Stephen K. Scott, unveils the secrets to incredible wisdom found only in the book of Proverbs. This series will give you the tools to transform your relationships in life. With your gift of $100 or more, request the complete Proverbs Power Library featuring five power-packed sessions that include the power of vision, breaking through mediocrity, and much more. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request the Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today. You know, I want to I thank you. We're going to send you Proverbs Power. You're, you're writing a book now. That will be out next year. Do you know the title of it? Not yet, but the publisher and I have different views, so we'll see who wins. <laughs> okay, what will it will be basic content? It's going to be on forgiveness, mm. and I want to take forgiveness into uh, the level of sacrament. We treat forgiveness a little bit glibly, and it's really not. You know, Jesus died to forgive us, and we he bled and died on that cross to forgive us, and forgiveness is really something to be taken seriously. And But it's so important. We're able to enter into the very nature and character of God when we forgive. And that's what I want to stress. That's great. Y'all really love the Graham family. You love Ruth, what she's doing. And next year, this book that she'll finally get the publisher to understand the title. You be praying for her, okay? Ruth, we love you. Thanks so much for being here. Thank Thanks for so sharing much. the grace of God. Thank, you. Thank all of you for being here. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sharing life.
Almost 20 years ago, Daryl Scott's daughter was killed in the Columbine High School shooting. Since that fateful day, he has been on a mission to make schools safer. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.